forget the status quo. What? This is a sports coverage thing you want to hear. All right, all right, all right. Recorded from the heart of Northeast Mississippi, covering high school, college, and the pros. Jackson Finch, Peyton Taylor, this is Cousin Cast. And welcome back to another episode of Cousin Cast. Hi, I'm Jackson Finch, and along with Peyton Taylor, we have got a jam-packed show for you on this wonderful Tuesday, recording live uh, from Northeast Mississippi Community College, like always. Peyton, tell them what's going on, man. There's a lot going on, honestly. There's, uh, you know, it's been a been a good weekend for me, a good week since we last recorded, but man, uh, we really do. We have a lot to talk about, all the way from the high school level, all the way up to the pros, uh, might as well just go ahead and jump in and get started. Yeah, so I, you know, I can think of like four or five things that we need to talk about today. But breaking news about, I don't know, about an hour before we recorded this, the NCAA allowed players to benefit off their image and likeness. Peyton, well, first, first, first reaction to that. Uh, NCAA football is back. Uh, video game is back. But no, uh, the the key thing here is that they have started a process to allow them to make money off their likeness in the collegiate model. So, what that means is that, and when we talked about it, the reason the NCAA went ahead and did this, they never wanted to do it, but they realized if we let the states go through and make their bills, they control how the athletes make money. We don't. So, if they do it now, they control how the athletes make the money. They can decide, because what that really means is they don't want to make money off tobacco products, sponsored tobacco, sponsoring alcohol, uh, sponsoring like pornography, anything that anything that would not fit into a moral standard that the NCAA holds high, which they don't really hold themselves to that same high standard. But we'll, well, that's another conversation for another day. What this does mean is I do think that you know for a lot of us, obviously there's some people that are listening that aren't going to care that much. Just but for us, we are looking like there's a very good shot we're getting an NCAA football video game yet again. In the next coming years, and that and that's great. That's great for the and it's just great for the kids. It makes it now where you're going to see probably less improper benefits, uh, and it's good also for states like Mississippi. Um, I don't think Alabama had passed one. Uh, I know New York hadn't passed one. You well, I know New York had. I know uh, Ohio hadn't passed one. States that had not passed their pay-to-play bills, so they were going to be behind in recruiting because these schools could say, "Hey, come here." And you can make money when yeah. you play. So now it opens up. The, all college is going to be, all the landscape is going to be on an equal playing field for the most part. This does hurt the mid-major in my eyes, I think, because you're going to see companies that want to sponsor kids lean towards the Blue Bloods. For teams like the SEC, like Ole Miss and Mississippi State, I don't think it's going to hurt that bad because you're playing in the SEC, you're playing in the limelight. They're going to have their opportunities. But teams that have built themselves up, like, for instance, they have game day this week, SMU. Memphis, Cincinnati, UCF. It could hurt player. It could hurt those schools because they're not going to be able to get those same benefits because they're not going to have the advertising ability and that star power and that national brand for kids to say, hey, you know what, I can go there and be the best player I can have, have a chance to win a national championship, and make the most money. So it hurts the mid-majors, but the Power Five, it makes the playing level pretty equal for the most part, I think. Well, you were talking about earlier about how excited that me and you both are, along with a lot of other people, about how... Hey, look at us. Yeah. Look at uh, us. Uh, NCAA is coming back. It's already a trending topic on Twitter right now. But you, 
you look at it and you can you can arguably well not really arguably you can say that this not only is just gonna you know help the video game world but it's also gonna help the game in general if you have younger younger guys and younger girls whoever that are playing these games can learn can learn uh, the athlete's name can get some familiarity with the teams and they can learn more about the game and it'll just grow college football as a whole and you know for other sports that will end up making a game as well can we talk about a loser here I think college coaches might be the loser. You know, you already hear college players that in their interviews, do you have a lot of college players that have openly campaigned for an NCAA football game to come back? And they say even still, in their dorm rooms, when they have nothing to do, they're playing NCAA football. So, you know, with an updated game, it could – coaches might lose here because they already, in a generation today where a lot of people like to spend their free time playing video games – that's gonna be tough to get your kids focused 100 percent on football on your football team when they're wanting they're all day looking forward to going home and building up their dynasty. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know it's an interesting topic. It, it, like I said, it's just starting process, so we won't have a. It said by January 2020. No, it said that they they would like to have all this finalized by January 2021. Yeah, I feel so. like it might be a little earlier because of how in high demand this is. Uh, People wanted to get it done. It depends. They're it, saying they want all all the colleges and all the states to have updated their rules by January 2021. To, I, yeah. To allow this a benefit for their likeness. I can image. see it going faster because Florida's uh, pay-to-play kicks in in 2020. Yeah. So they're going to want to get out ahead of that. Yeah. At the very least, be right behind it. So mm-hmm. I, I think we see the NCAA's plan come out in the next two or three months. Like I said, it may take the schools. I'm going to say – I'm going to say by the athletic year of 2020 to 2021, so in August of 2020, I'm going to say nationwide it's about implemented. That's my guess. Yeah. But that's a huge topic, and not just, you know, obviously, you know, we're 19-year-old college kids. Obviously, we're excited for us, but, you know, for like I said, the older people that listen to us that aren't, you know, video game people that don't really care about that, that's just, this is just big anyway because it changes the landscape of possibly college recruiting because now – Instead of just like I said, recruiting off your, you know, your, your blue, you know, recruiting your blue chip pro- uh, prospects. Hey, we're a national power. Now you can recruit to and say, what do college kids like most in the world? To not be broke. Come here, and you're gonna have more advertising opportunities than you've ever had before. Well, this this uh, adds a new thing to the recruiting game. Yeah, and it, off recruiting, this will help uh, universities bring in money. You know, you got the. I remember growing up, and I mean, it's the same kind of for now when you've got. Let's say let's take Justin Fields for example at, at Ohio State. He's probably the favorite player for over seventy five percent of kids younger than ten, and they all want his jersey. And now they'll be able to get that, and they'll help uh, universities in take some money because they can sell jerseys with you know Fields and number one, I think is his number on mm-hmm. the back of it. Yeah, I mean you you're gonna see kids wearing uh, you know Matt Corral jerseys around here, John Ross Plumley jerseys, uh, Garrett Schrader jerseys, Kylan Hill jerseys, wearing number eight on their back with Hill. You know this changes. This changes. I wonder the, how quickly that'll come. Like I said, it just depends on when the NCAA. Nobody's going to be able to make a move until the NCAA finalizes. Hey, this is what you can do. This is what you can't do. This was a voted on unanimously. This was a unanimous decision. That's why it's going to get done quick. Yeah. If there was, if there was any protest, then there might have been. Ah, you know, we're trying to figure this out and this out to make everybody happy. Everybody else, the board of the board of governors and the NCAA is thinking we got to get this done now. Or we're gonna lose control. They the quote that I told you earlier with, that they said they needed to evolve with it, the change. It's time, yeah. It's or time, time to, to evolve, embrace and, change. Yeah, something like that. So unanimous decision, and that's I mean that's huge. 
Oh, it's monstrous. No doubt about it. Well, I mean, we're not going to spend the whole entire 40 minutes on this, but we did want to talk about that. I mean, and I know, like, I mean, this is just a huge th- deal because we had talked about and we had hinted at it that the NCAA eventually, we, and I, I believe I hinted at it about a month and a half ago when we talked about California and Florida passing theirs. I said, the NBA, NCAA is going to be quickly behind it. They're going to be, they're either, gonna, there's two options. They can either embrace it and make their own rules or they can try to protest in federal court and lose. They chose the former, and I don't blame them there because they knew they weren't going to win a federal case. This is this is the right way to do it. If there was ever going to be you know pay for play, this was the right way to do it. Yes, it never needs to become, which I don't think it will, but it'll never uh, needs to become. Hey, we'll give you you know ten thousand dollars come play for us. You know, now you get, but here's when you got to be careful with it. With the college basketball, with how Adidas was, you know, paying to play for Adidas schools, you have to make sure. You have to have a nice, you know, on it where other companies, and maybe it's not, maybe it's not shoe companies. Maybe it's, you know, maybe it's your local Tupelo Nissan, your Dossett Big Four, saying paying Mississippi recruits and saying, "Hey, we'll give you twenty thousand dollars to stay in state." That's what you can't do. You yeah, know, we, we'll make, we'll endorse you, but only if you stay in state. You got to make sure that these these companies that are wanting to let these players benefit off their likeness, you've got to make sure that it is neutral and and non-biased to where they're saying, hey, we don't care where you play. We just want you, we want, you know, we want you to endorse us. Yeah. That, so, I don't know. I haven't read, I mean, I just feel like it doesn't need to become where, you know, third parties like that, like the Dodson Big Fours and stuff like that, can't talk to these recruits until they have signed yeah and it's become it feels like, like that it feel it feels like we know so much but we know so little yeah we have no idea where this is going because the like i said the key phrase was in the collegiate model they can make money what is the collegiate model we'll find out yeah, soon but enough. They, they don't know what the collegiate model is they don't know yet all but, they did today was vote and say hey we're gonna allow uh players to benefit from their image and likeness that's yeah. the only thing they did and I think that's a good place to stop and move on. Yeah, so we'll move on right into college football. Um, Ole Miss off a of bye week and Mississippi State with another loss. Another loss. 0-4 in the month of October. I'm not going to play the Texas a and fight hoping, song. I was hoping you wouldn't. No, I'm not going to do that to you this time. We lost Because we lost to A&M too, so I can't really say much. I did it with Tennessee because we didn't lose to Tennessee, but we lost to A&M too. But can, can we admit something? A&M has a good fight song. I've never even heard it. Can I? No, you can't. Uh, play I can't it. play it. Play it it's, for me later. Okay, it's good. I promise it's good. But uh, you know, we're on the way to scuba, so I was listening to it. You watched a little bit of it on the iPad, and you listened the other time. Yeah. Again, like it has been all year for State on the road, they couldn't get off. They couldn't get started. Mm-mm, slow start. It's the, it's the, the pattern. It was twenty-eight to seven game. at one point in the game. Mm-hmm. And it was twenty-eight ten at halftime. You can't allow that against good teams. Mm-mm. Texas A&M's not a great team, but they're a good enough team where you give them that lead. There's no way you're coming back. No, because I mean everybody says, oh, you know, forty-nine thirty, it's not that bad. It could have been much worse. We scored two touchdowns, I think, in the garbage minutes. If A&M wanted to, they could have won that game forty-nine to fourteen. It's. But, I I told my dad the other day about this. Um. We, people started getting. Now, me, I think some people didn't like Moorhead after last season, okay? but I was Some people didn't let the Moorhead hide yeah. from the start. So, I, I was fine with it all last season. I, I stayed on this side, you know, let him get his players, yada, yada, yada. First two games, 2-0. and But after that Kansas State loss, I'm still on Moorhead's side, but I'm like, that did not look good. And I told my dad today 
that ever since the Kansas State loss, it has not got any better. If anything, it has decreased. The, from fan support of Moorhead and just the team's play, it that, looks look, like on the field. Kansas State was a top 25 loss. You look back at that loss now, you say there was nothing – like, you hated to lose it because you know you could have won it, but that's a good team we lost. But, I mean, that's the thing. We should have won. We had the lead in the fourth quarter at our own place. You should win that yeah, game. Yeah, I agree. But – and the the one that really just sent you over the top yeah. was the Tennessee loss. Tennessee, absolutely. And, and now we've seen that Tennessee is more capable. We thought they're getting better. They beat South Carolina – Tennessee might go to a bowl. It don't matter. You beat Tennessee. I know. I'm just, but I'm saying this, and this is just for the grand scale of college football in general. At one point, we were saying Tennessee's going to start one and six. They're three and five now with Vanderbilt still in the schedule, and they've got one more uh, non-conference opponent. I'm going to look that up. But Texas ain't, or Tennessee, they have a decent shot at making a bowl. I mean, well, while, and that's crazy to think about. While you're looking that up, I'll make a point that I've made to my dad, and I think I talked to Blake about it yesterday. Um, one of the one things that I'm I'm not very fond of right now, and this was mentioned on another podcast called Thunder and Lightning that I listened to, but what I'm not liking, what I'm hearing from Moorhead right now, is that he keeps on coming, going back to, you know, we're trying to build a culture, yada, 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 but the culture was already built when you got here. 2014, we were number one in the nation for five weeks, ended up winning 10 games, went to an Orange Bowl. Dan Mullen had established that culture. Yeah, a new coach came in, so it's going to be different, but the culture was built. There was nothing that would need to be done to the culture. You just need to make it better. And it just seems like he's trying to, you know, make the mentality of we're starting from scratch, you know, we have injuries, suspensions, and stuff that he can't deal, you know, that he can't have any control over. But when he's talking about, you know, building a culture and – that was already built for him when he got here. He just needed to make it better. So that's where I'm disagreeing with Moorhead. Um, but when it comes to just play on the field, it just – I mean, there's nothing – i I've joked with you all about, you know, this Arkansas game, how Arkansas will beat us. I don't think they'll beat us, but I would not be surprised if they did because there's nothing that has happened over these last four or five weeks that I can look at and say, hey, that was pretty good. We'll be okay. Ever since that Kansas State loss – Especially in this month of October. Because, I mean, we beat Kentucky, and Kentucky's not a great team, but we look fairly good in that game. But through this month of October, we lost to Auburn, we lost to Tennessee, we lost to LSU, we've lost to A&M. There's nothing that I can go back and look at those games and be like, Good gosh, y'all are 0-4 in the month of October, yeah, aren't y'all? 0-4. I mean, the LSU, we were not, we scored and it was 9-7. to The defense looked okay in the first half. But besides that, there's nothing that I can look back on and say, Hey, you know what, that that was give that credit, was pretty good. We cre- can build off that. Give credit to your, your defense. They started off on the first half, but I also think that was more also of LSU being hungover after that Florida game. I can agree. Because in totally the second agree. half, they were ready to play. I, I I mean, I just can't look. Thinking of this Arkansas game coming up this week, I can't look back of anything in the month of October and be like, hey, we play good at this time. I, we can pull from that, and we can become better off that. There's just nothing. There's nothing that I can look at. Yeah, you want to know the crazy thing? Do you remember what I predicted Tennessee to be at the start of the season? You, it was high. I had them seven and five, but I had them uh, seven and five, eight and four. I had them at third and fourth. In the three East. wins now. They're at three wins. Their last four games coming against UAB, Kentucky, Missouri, and Vanderbilt. They can go seven and five. That is a very winnable four game state because we've seen this Missouri team that lost to Vanderbilt. And then Missouri lost to Kentucky last night or last weekend. That's Tennessee could start out where we said fire Pruitt after they lost to Georgia State, and they could end up being they could end up being third in the East. See, Pruitt had to come in and build a culture. Yes, that's and something he's that building he, it now. Yeah, 
So that, give him credit. He, I told like that and does I told, take time. I told people. I said I think Pruitt can be a good SEC coach, but he has got to build this Tennessee time. team. Lost a lot yes. this year. Building a culture takes time. You saw what Dan did. Yeah, that's what and I'm don't saying. Wrong. I'm not saying. I think it's more likely Tennessee still misses a bowl than they yeah. make it. But you, if you look at Tennessee from week one to week two, and you look at the improvement now. It's night and day. Isn't they are improving? You go watch that Georgia State game and then watch the game against y'all. Mm-hmm. It's night and day how much they've improved. Building a culture takes time, but that's what I'm trying to say. Moorhead didn't have to build a culture; he just had to make the one we've already established better. And I think that's the Moorhead's problem. I think when Moorhead came in, I think he wanted everything to be his way. I think he wanted. Which to I mean, come you can't in. blame him. No, you can't blame a guy for that. But at the same time, there's times you need to reinvent something. There's time. There, there's no point in reinventing the wheel. When something just as good has already been established, it's very frustrating. And I think, and a lot of it. And let's say this: it's not just Moorhead, like we talked about. Yeah, it's not. This is the worst off Mississippi State offensive Mississippi State offensive line in years, and it shouldn't be. All these guys are veterans. We've had these guys: Stuart Reese, um, I can't even think of Darrell Williams. He was a he was an All SEC guy coming in. Uh, all these guys, I can't name off the top of my head, but all of those guys have played. They shouldn't be that bad. The receiving core that you like, and you were high on the receiving core. They haven't panned out. But I mean, they're better. They're better, but they still haven't panned out to the level that they needed to be because y'all have got a lot of veterans now. The main in that core. The main deal with our defense, with our team, our play on the field is that our offensive line's not that good. We're starting a true freshman quarterback who's gonna be good, just that he's a true freshman, and our defense is terrible. Yeah, and the defense is not good because the and front. And we're not getting better. The front seven's not good. Our team is stagnant. They we look the same now that we did at the beginning of October. You got Willie Gay, and then remind me of the other player that's suspended for y'all, Lee Autry. I mean, Lee Autry. and there's the other ones, but those yeah, are two but main those ones. are the two big ones. Marcus Murphy. When they're both playing, yeah, you can see a difference. But at the same time, it it's not good when only two of your front seven can be relied on to make a play. It's it's very frustrating, especially for like. My generation, because we grew up with we grew up with Dan Mullen, knowing how well those teams played, and you know when you've got people older than me that you know went through the Kroom years and went through the years before Cheryl got there, it was already bad, and so I mean I can they probably take the the losing a little bit better than I do because I remember us winning, and so it's very frustrating to see our team just it, they just don't even look like they're improving. See, I've been humbled. I've seen us lose, mm-hmm. then win. Then lose. We've had we had down seasons during Dan Mullen. Y'all had team, down seasons, but, but we still you, yeah. You know what I'm saying. We still look good. The 2016 team when we went five and seven went to St. Petersburg Bowl. We, we all knew that's what was coming. It was a down year. It was the year after Dak left. We all knew what was coming. This year shouldn't have been that this bad. It just shouldn't have. Because you go back and you look, and Kansas State was a very winnable game. Absolutely. Tennessee was a very winnable. Absolutely. Game. Uh. I had high, I I said that we were going to beat Texas A&M, and granted we may not beat them, but we could have played better. Oh yeah, y'all could have played better. So at the very least, you you could look and say we should be at least five and three right now. Yeah. At least. Yeah. And you know some people say, well, you know, three and five, five and three, you know, that's two game swing. If you want to be in a, if you want to compete with the best in the SEC, you can't have that two. Game I'm swing. telling you, we're on the verge of being four and eight. We are on the verge of being four and eight. I mean, because you, I mean, and if, if we go four and eight, he's got to go. He's he has to. That's I that's you can't. When did Dan Mullen never never lost more than five games, never. And five games is that was his very first year. He lost five games. I mean, you, you had to expect that. He had to start from the ground up. And in 2016 was a rebuilding year. We all knew it was coming. You I, just, you we can't go. I really. I mean, here's the thing: if you, you're not going four and eight, the worst you are going is five and seven. 
the worst. Y'all gonna beat Arkansas this weekend. If he can, if if our team can find a way to beat Arkansas, beat Abilene, and win and beat Ole Miss and go six and six and go to the bowl and have some juice going into next season, okay, that's fine. But I don't know. I don't know, man. Here, let me I really ask you don't. this: I have this no is confidence a, that we this, will. This is a scenario that we haven't talked about. What if you win? What if you what if you go six and six? You go to a bowl and then you get embarrassed in your bowl. I mean, we just made it to a bowl. That's something that I don't think we will. You don't think you're making it to a bowl? No, I don't. You think? Do you? Th- is it because you think Ole Miss is beating y'all in the egg bowl? I'll say either Arkansas or Ole Miss beats us. I, I have no. I, there's. I keep on saying there's nothing that I can look back on this season and have faith that we're going to win those games. I go back and forth. Uh, you know, because y'all have shown. I mean, y'all have shown signs. You know, I mean, y'all have. But Ole Miss, like I've said to multiple people, what we do this season on offense plays right into y'all's deficiency. We run the football. Y'all can't stop the run so far. Arkansas could run the football against us. But at the same time, and, and I mean, it, it just depends. You know, it can Schrader throw the football against a really bad Ole Miss secondary? I mean, he can at times if he don't turn the ball over. Like I said earlier, he's just a risk but that's taker. The thing, that's the thing. This Ole Miss defense, they're not good in the secondary consistently, uh, you, know, at, uh, you know, playing great coverage. But I will say this, they can force a turnover. And that's – I mean, that's like right now. I would say – and I'm not saying this bias. Right now, if I'm picking one, I'm picking Ole Miss to win in Star Bowl right now. That's just me. That's off what I've seen. That That's what I would pick. Plus, lately, for some reason, the road team has dominated the Egg Bowl after so many years of the, the home team dominating the Egg Bowl. I don't, I, don't even, I don't even want to think about the Egg Bowl right now, if I'm being honest. Well, do, you and to, do you even want to think about Arkansas? I mean, not really. I'll be up there. I'm actually I'm making the trip with my family. I'm ex- and I'm expected to have a very good time. And we'll talk about that prediction in a minute. But, yeah, um, but I don't want to spend the whole time dwelling on old, old Mississippi State's failures right now. Real quick, I can just talk about Ole Miss's bye. Yeah, go ahead. In, in one minute. It, it's very simple. We had a lot of injuries. Well, four of our five starting offensive linemen were down. Michael Howard, Eli Johnson, uh, Ben Brown, and uh, uh, Bryce Matthews. Yeah, not Bryce Ramsey. Bryce Matthews. Um they went. They were down with injuries. Uh, Scotty Phillips was hurt. Jerry Neely was in concussion protocol. John Rice Plumley had a knee procedure. Uh, Elijah Moore had a gro- groin injury. Braden, uh, uh, crap. Yeah, Sanders. Uh, Sanders uh, had a he had a uh, hip injury or a calf injury. Luke said they're all healthy after the break, he, and that that shows me the bye week couldn't came at a more perfect time. Yeah, we know now that Ole Miss probably isn't making a bowl uh, because that was the game we needed to win. It sucks. But, hey, if you're going to beat somebody that's big in the SEC, what Auburn does, we play well into. They want to run the football. They can't throw it that well. Well, our pass secondary is bad, but our run defense is pretty dang good this year. So, go out there, give it your all, and beat Auburn and make it to a bowl. That's all I can say uh, for Ole Miss right now. Let's jump real quick into – and I want to talk about it. And you could throw some people in. You know, we talked about high school a couple weeks ago, but I've been focusing on it. I want to give, if that's all right, I know we, we cover, and you know, we want to do a lot of Northeast Mississippi stuff in general. I want to talk about some Union County basketball because I know a little bit in that area. It's a high school basketball update okay. because it starts, West Union starts, my alma mater, they start Thursday. They play New Albany in a Union County rivalry matchup. Uh, you know, when I look at it in the, in the girlscape of things, West Union is going to be very competitive. Uh, they, they, no seniors on this team, no seniors. So this is a group that's going to run it back next year too, and that's what makes them so dangerous. They're young, but they're experienced because all these girls played last year too. Uh, 
Myrtle, they've got Kinsley Gordon, and I talked to Coach Greer of Myrtle last night. He expects them to be much more competitive than they were last year. Expects them to be pretty well. Um, when I talked, uh, when I talked to, I haven't talked to Ingemar and uh, East Union New Albany's head coaches yet. Ingemar, they know how to win. Their girls' teams know how to win. If you followed them, they've won four straight, uh, three straight state championships until last year. They won five straight division championships. That's just a team that knows how to win. Okay, and I'm not saying they're going to win their division. I'm not saying they'll even make it out of the first round of the playoffs. But winning, knowing how to win is a skill, and it's going to show up. There's going to be a couple games that those Ingemar girls scratch out just because they've seen how to win, and they're going to know how to apply that in the game. New Albany's girls, I don't know much about them at all. I saw them last year, and they were hot hot and cold, hit or miss at times. Really how they shot the ball, depending on it. They lost a couple shooters. I'm going to have to watch that team. I'm going Thursday to watch them. Next week, I'll report back more on them. And then East Union's girls, new coach from what I've heard. I need to talk to him. And like I said, I'll, I'll give a full report next week. We can talk about high school basketball a little bit more next week because it officially starts for everybody next week. But, you know, I expect them to have some talent still. Union County breeds basketball talent for the most part. Yeah. Um, for the guys, real quick, I think same thing. West Union is going to be pretty competitive. Uh, Ingemar is going to be good again, uh, as always. They've got Zach Sugars. He's expected to be back from his ACL tear. And I think – did you play Sugars at all? Did you, when was the last time you played Ingemar in your career? I, I probably freshman year. We you played Kelton Hall. You didn't play him junior or senior year. I don't think okay, so. Okay, so you didn't mm-hmm. see Zach Sugar. No. He's a post player, very very good. He's he I mean he's one of the more talented players in our area. Hopefully he's well after that uh, after you know recovering from that ACL tear. If he's as well as he if he's one hundred percent, Ingemar's going to be forced to be reckoned with yet again, uh, especially one A basketballs. They moved back down this year. Um, Myrtle guys, I talked to Coach Rob Browning. He said the same thing. He thinks his team will be much more competitive. There's a much more experienced team than they were last year. Uh, he said that he likes how some of their players playing football has helped them build in the weight room. They're going to be yeah. a little bit more athletic. Uh, East Union and New Albany, I hadn't, again, I haven't talked to their coaches much. East Union, I'm not sure about. I don't really know much about either of East Union's teams. I can't say New Albany's team. Everything I've heard on New Albany – they're going to be good again. They got Mitchell Shettles, who's yeah. a great shooter. Yeah. Isaiah Ball, great point guard and ball handler. They've got a lot of height. They've got a lot of athleticism, a lot of length. So that's New, going to be a tough team. To I know play. New Albany will be something to reckon with this year. They're definitely going to be good. That's a quick Union County basketball update. I'll give a full. I'll try to get a full scape of basketball. You, you study up on it too. Next week we'll make yeah. it more of a Northeast Mississippi basketball episode. Yeah. I, I feel like both of us will be pretty pretty deep into uh, area hoops, so I feel like we'll be able to get some good coverage. It's going to be a there. great year. Uh, let's let's switch sports a little bit. I want to shout out something real quick. Tiger Woods, 82nd career PGA Tour win. He won over there in Japan this week. That ties him all-time wins with Sam Snead. That that's just incredible to me. Uh, I'm gonna I'm Tiger, gonna. This is my thing with Tiger Woods, man. I'm him winning the Masters and him finally him finally coming back. You know, playing some good golf. That's very good for the game. Oh, it's great for the game. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. So I mean, When do you see PGA trending on Twitter? Yeah. Never. Him winning a tournament in Japan like this weekend had PGA it was trending a, top five on Twitter. It was a big field, though. There was a lot of big names over there. And it's just, it, it's great. Just in time for um, President's Cup ga- action in December, they're going to play in Australia. And Tiger Woods is the team captain for Team USA, and it's – Hadn't been announced yet that if he's going to play or not, because he can't play if he wants to. But if with that win, I feel like that'll just give it even more of a 
even more of a case for him to play in the Somebody Cup. tweeted, fair to wonder if these Tiger numbers will ever, ever be topped. You probably saw this. It was posted by Zyra Golf on Instagram. Yeah. And let's say in the modern era, because some of these are topped or tied. 82 and counting tour wins. That's tied, like you said. But in the modern era, let's think about it this way. 15 and counting majors. Again, Jack Nicklaus has more, but modern era. 104, and the next three he owns exclusively. 142 consecutive cuts made in tournaments. That is insane. You think about it, they don't. But say he plays a tournament each weekend, 52 weekends out of the year, that means for almost three years he made the cut every time. And that's and that's not – so I'm going to say he probably went in that 2002 to 2008 nine area. He never missed a cut those seven years. There, there's nobody out there on the tour right now with that consistent good quality of play. No. We see some players that are – you know, Brooks Kepka. you know, when the majors come around, he's playing some really good golf. And, I mean – Justin Rose is a very, a very good, consistent player, but there's just nobody out there that's just consistently playing good golf in and out every weekend. But um, to, to answer your question, if somebody's going to reach those goals, those records that Tiger has made, probably you know, probably not. Honestly, uh, with with 82 tour wins, that ties with Sam Snead. He'll break that. He'll get a couple more wins before it's all said and done. Nobody, I don't think, will ever reach that. Uh, I kind of think back to Jordan Spieth when he was playing a lot of good golf. I was like, okay, you know, here comes the, the next coming of Tiger Woods, but he's fell off the radar the past couple of years and went through some swing changes and stuff like that. But I will say this about Tiger Woods, that I don't think he'll reach the 17, the tie of the major, no. and 18 to get overall with he's at 15 right no. now. And, he, and I don't think he will either, but there's people that say, you know, Tiger won in a not very good golf field when their golf wasn't that great. So he's not in contention. Tiger's in contention for the best golfer ever, even if oh, he doesn't. If he's not, he's top two or top three. He's on the Mount And Rushmore. I'm not the hugest Tiger fan, but I know what he's done for this game. There's no doubt. Nobody has changed the game of golf more than Tiger Woods. Agreed. And him, going and Arnold, in, him and Arnold Palmer. Two more stats. And this one, these next two absolutely blow my mind. 683 weeks spent at number one on the world golf rankings. That no, is nobody over top that. I, I, six, okay, I'm gonna do it in my calculator real quick. Six eighty three divided by fifty two. He was on top for thirteen years. Thirteen years. Tiger Woods was sitting at num- the number one best golfer in the world. Nobody ever topped that. Nobody. He's top ten now. He Since, made that win moved him up to number six or seven. I'm pretty sure. N- insane. And then a ninety six percent rate closing solo fifty four hole leads. That, that's the thing about Tiger that makes him so good. So many people choke those leads. If if he's got the lead going into Saturday, I mean, bet your money he's winning. Yeah, he's winning. He's the best closer in our game. Best. If nothing else, you have to say Tiger Woods is the best closer golf's ever seen. Yeah. I mean, I won't give you. I won't give you a eighteen hole lead. But if he has a thirty six hole lead, go ahead, bet your money. I wouldn't even say 30, 36. If he's leading toward two days, I wouldn't even say that because, you know, Saturday's a moving day for a lot of reasons. But if he's got a lead going in Sunday, oh well, yeah, bet all the tea in China. Hey, he's winning. He's winning. Well, I will say this about his Masters win last, last, you know, last April. When it was coming down the stretch, Francesco Molinari had the lead, and uh, what's his name? Tony Finau was up there with him, and Brooks Koepka was playing good. When Tony Finau... And Francesco Molinari both went water on number 12. And then Tiger Woods hit it to the middle of the green. Very veteran move. I knew from that moment that he was going to win. He knew how to play it. He just outsmarted every single one of them. 
Yeah, Francesco Molinari, Tony Finau, never won majors, going for it on against on, Tiger in their group. They're thinking, yeah, they're three. Oh my gosh! Like, well, I, they were thinking that after they both went in water. No, no, but they're thinking that even before. They're thinking, uh, they're thinking, okay, Tiger's right on my tail. I've got to nail this shot. Tiger's thinking they're both playing aggressive. I know this course. Play at the middle, and you one putt. Tiger, Tiger, Tiger didn't heart didn't escape a beat at all on Sunday. He knew exactly what he was going to do. He went out there and did it, and therefore he won. But um. Real quick, one more shout-out to another sport we don't cover much, baseball, World Series. Yeah. Nationals went up 2-0 in the World Series. Astros in Washington swept Washington to go 3-2, and bringing it back to uh, Houston for Game 6. I expect them to close it out tonight. I do too, but when Nationals – when the Nationals won those two games, I wouldn't say that they – I've had them win in four, but I was like, dang, they, they've got this They got this thing pretty much won. Can we shout-out – They out? took two from uh, – I don't know his first name, but Cole's their ace. Yeah. Took it from him, and then they took it from Justin Verlander. I was like, these guys can't be stopped. Well, Verlander hasn't ever pitched good in the World Series. If you go back and look at his at his statistics in the He's, World Series, he never. Pitched I think he well. pitched last night. Yeah, no, uh, I I think Garrett Cole pitched. Oh, last so night. that means he'll pitch next. Yeah, I think he pitches next. Um, yeah, because it's on a four pitcher rotation. So, shout out to Nationals. Okay. They had never reached it, and then a year after losing Bryce Harper, it was like, oh, the Nationals are going to be even more garbage than they used to be. They showed. That like everybody forgets about Major League Baseball, you don't gotta have a big budget to win in baseball. You gotta have nine guys that play cohesively and fit together, and that's what and that's what the Nationals do. They don't have the biggest budget in baseball, but they went out and they're winning, and they and they're gonna they're probably gonna fall in the World Series. But they've never been. It's huge for the city of Washington. It's huge for the Nationals, regardless of how it ends. You know, shout out the Astros for most likely winning it. We'll know by next year's. Like I said, I think they close it out. And in, uh, in Houston, I think it's tomorrow night they play. Yeah. And but shout out to the Nationals, regardless of what happens, because they've done huge things. Well, shout out to the Major League because they do the playoffs right. When it they comes, do. When it comes to you know when they play, they go like for the World Series. The way they set it up is they got they went two games at Nationals because the Nationals were the higher seed. Mm-hmm. So they went two games in Washington, three games. No, my apologies, two games in Houston. Yeah. Three games in Washington, then two to finish it up. In Houston, but the thing is, they went back to back days, and uh, in Houston they went they played on let's just say Tuesday. I'm not sure, but they went Tuesday, they get Wednesday. A day break. No, I don't think they get a day break. No, no, no. I'm talking about when they. Go oh yeah, from- yeah. So they go back to back days. They get a day break for travel. When they get there, they play three straight days. They might get one break, one day break in the three games. I'm not too sure, but all I'm saying they get one travel day. In basketball, man, it takes so long for them to do that. I they agree. get like one break day, two travel days. It's it's insane. I agree. Well, and we can say that, you know, and don't get me wrong, baseball is, an, is a physically strenuating game, but basketball is more fenu- physically strenuating. Yeah. You have to have more time to recharge. But still, baseball, shout out to them. They could take the time, and, they and, and yeah, people would complain, but nobody would really think much of it because all the other league, NBA does it so badly. Shout out to baseball. They're like, Look, we're going to get this done. We're going to give you all the action we can in the smallest amount of time. The playoffs started the first week in October. Mm-hmm. And we're on October 29th, and on October 30th, the postseason could be over. That could be over in, in less than a month. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, moving now into, we'll we'll make our uh, annual NFL. Uh, I mean, NFL, I mean, don't get me wrong, shout out to the Patriots, I, I hate to out of the Patriots, but shout out to the Patriots 49ers for staying 8-0 uh, and 7-0 and at this point in the season. Regardless, that's a, that's a great accomplishment. Uh, Drew Brees came back with a fantastic performance out of his injury. He did. Which is um, crazy that it came out one week before the bye because I got a bye week this week. Yeah. The Steelers. Steelers with a win. I was glad to see my guys. They did not look 
very well in the first half, but they came out, made adjustments, and they looked like they controlled the game in the entire second and a half, and they went and got the win. I like I like the Saints move, by the way. We can talk about that for a second. A lot of people are saying, why bring him back? Give him two more weeks to heal because they have a bad, bye week. If Breeze wanted to come back, if he said, hey, I'm ready, guys. The trainer said, he's ready. Let's let him play. Bridgewater, you say Bridgewater, you've done phenomenal. We don't want to lose you, but if you want to explore your options at the end of the season, we get it. But we're putting Breeze back in the starting lineup. You're playing a Cardinals team that's been better, but they're still not one of the top teams in the NFL. That was the perfect opportunity to give Breeze to say, hey, come back in and get that rust off. Because then you hurt Breeze's confidence, too, by saying, eh, let's go tell you one more week, and then we'll bring you back after the bye week. Because you put Breeze is going to be the guy that carries you to the Super Bowl. So to give him that confidence by saying, if you're ready, we're rolling with you. If you think you're ready, let's go. You're giving your starting quarterback all the confidence in the world. Great move by the Saints. Yeah, I liked it. I can agree with that. Moving into college football, once again, we're going to make our picks real quick. Before we do that, let's do the Kevin Connell sponsored question of the day. He gave us two questions. Do we want to just pick one? Uh, uh, let's do the let's do the second because, for be honest, I've been thinking about the first the whole time since he's told us, and I couldn't come up with it. Okay, so the second the second question that we're talking about that he told us at lunch was, if you could be in any movie. You know, to come out or has already came out, you can go back to the 1950s. We don't really care. And you could go into that movie and be the main role. What would you be? I told you, I'd be back to the. I'd be in Back to the Future. I love the Back to the Future movies. I think that'd be awesome uh, to play Marty McFly. I think I. I just think that'd be an excellent, a really fun movie to do. Uh, my backup pick might be Smokey and the Bandit. That could be another movie. That'd be really fun to do. Well, I tell you, my backup pick would be Gone with the Wind because it made the most money. It's the highest grossing movie of all time. But I think I said the Sandlot and be um, Benny the Jet Rodriguez because I mean he's a hero. He's a hero. He's a hero, and I mean who doesn't want to be a hero? Jumped over that fence, saved that ball, man. That's iconic. Did he really save the ball, or did he just get it back so they could see how screwed uh, Smalls was? Because he, he was screwed. It he had slobber. He it saved it. I- iconic moment and iconic movie. I need a hero. Doom, 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 doom. Okay, uh, going into college football this weekend uh, again as usual. A lot of big games. First of all, for college football this weekend, shout out to College Game Day. They could have went to the world's largest outdoor cocktail party with Florida, Georgia, but they said, hey, let's go somewhere we've never been before. Let's go to SMU, Memphis. That's big for Memphis. As Lee Corso would say, great pick. Great pick. I like. I really do like the pick. Shout out to them. That's going to be a phenomenal game. That's going to be primetime ABC. Uh, again, that's big for mid-major to get schools to get that. Shout out to College Game Day for picking what I thought was the right destination. I would love to make... I'm not going to be able to make it up there Saturday, but I would love to go up for game day Saturday. Uh, but let's start off with that game. Memphis and SMU. Uh, while my thing's loading, I'll try to get the spread as quickly as I can. Here it is. The spread for that game is Memphis is a six-point favorite. Give me the Tigers. Yeah, I like the Tigers in that one, too. They've, yeah, they've got they, two, that place is going to be rocking. rocking. Too much momentum. I just don't see a home team losing that type of game. No. Uh, and shout-out to SMU. They've had a phenomenal season. I think Memphis, two straight years, they were an American championship game away from playing for a New Year's Six Bowl. They finally get over the hump this year. Give me Memphis to eventually represent and go to their first New Year's Six Bowl in school history. Uh, let's go with another ranked game between Florida and Georgia, the world's out- largest outdoor cocktail party. Georgia is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Give me Georgia. I like Georgia coming off. Uh, they're not coming off, but they had the loss to South Carolina earlier in the season. They had a bye this week, I believe. Yeah, I think I think Kirby Smart's going to have them ready to kind of get some redemption on the season to make up for that one loss. I like Georgia in that game. 
did Florida come off a bye last week too? Uh, maybe so. I'm not too sure. Let me check. But e- either way, I like Georgia in that yes, game. Yes, they both came off by. So did you notice how the SEC strategically did that? Yeah. For two of their biggest games, Georgia and Florida came off by's, and Alabama and LSU were going to come off by's. Yeah. Well, the school kind of have some say in that. They do have some say, but at the same time, at the same time, the SEC scheduling. They, you know, they they say when the conference games are going to be scheduled. So I, I like George, uh, Kirby Smart getting Georgia pumped up for that game, making up for the loss earlier in the season, and I say Georgia pulls it out. Um, Kansas State and Kansas. Kansas State coming off the huge win against Oklahoma. Kansas beating Texas Tech and giving them a big win. Kansas State's only a five-point favorite on the road. Kansas State over who? Kansas. Yeah, give me Kansas State. I can't, Les Miles has got Kansas in a good pro, good, good state of their football program, but I just don't feel like they'll have the horses to keep up with Kansas State, and I, just, I like Kansas State in that one. Give me Kansas State, but closer than you would think. Give me Kansas State by about 10 or 11. I really think... Les Miles, you know, getting a win there is anyway phenomenal. But beating a Texas Tech team that's knocked off some good teams this year, I like it. Give me, uh, give, give me, give me Kansas State. But shout out to Miles and what he's doing with Kansas so far. Uh, but give me Kansas State. I agree. Yeah. Um, looking through the rest of the lineup, West Virginia goes on the road to play Baylor. Baylor's a seventeen and a half point favorite. Look, man, I I don't know too much about those two teams. I know Baylor's the ranked team with top fifteen, so I'm a where's it as it at West Virginia? It's at Baylor. Oh yeah, Just give me the Baylor Bears, but I'm not going to get too much analysis on it because I'm I'm not too fond of those two teams. I'll say this: every time in our pick we've done Baylor, I picked Baylor and they've held me up so far. Give me the Baptist. Give me Baylor. Uh, looking through Utah and Washington, Utah goes on the road to play Washington. Utah's only a three and a half point favorite. This could be an upset pick here. At Washington, both are going to be the good. loudest stadium in college football. Uh, both are good teams, but with Utah being a three-point favorite, I mean it's basically a toss-up. Um, you know what? Give me Washington. Go, go! Give me Washington at home, pulling off a pulling off the upset. Give me Utah. I think Utah knows, and don't get me wrong. You know that's a prime position for Washington to pull off an upset. I think Utah knows they have too much riding on the line. They they still realize you know it's gonna be tough, but if they went out and beat Oregon in this in the championship uh, in the Pac-12 championship, they've got an outside shot at the college football playoff. Give me Utah to survive on the road. I'm um, go with the upset on that one just for kicks and giggles. Yeah. Give okay. Next we've got uh, let's go to the SEC real quick. Let's see what we got going on here. Real quick, Jackson. While I'm looking this up. Why don't you shout out our social media real quick? Yeah, so if you're not following us on social media, please go and do that. We've got one Instagram is at CousinCast, a Facebook, CousinCast as well. And then our Twitter is at CastCousin. Had to reverse that one right there. But go in there and make sure to go uh, give us a follow and you make sure you're staying up to date with all your CousinCast news. Well, how many more games going on? Vanderbilt and South Carolina. At South Carolina, South Carolina's 15-point favorite. Give me the Gamecocks in that one. Yeah, Gamecocks as well. Uh, going into our final two games, and we'll end this uh, episode of Cousin Cast off. Mississippi State at Arkansas. Mississippi State's a seven and a half point favorite. I mean, I've been saying it all week. I'm going to take the Razorbacks. I am. I'm, I'm. I'm not taking. I may not take them to win, but I'll take them to cover. We just haven't played well on the road. Give me State. Give me State to cover. I hope uh, you're right. I hope you're right. I, I mean, uh, and there's not much for me to say. Arkansas is just a dumpster fire of a program right now. I mean, give me give me State to cover. I hope you're right, man. But I'm. I, I just. Hate to be like this, but there's just nothing I can look back on and you know take some faith from. So I'm just gonna have to go to Arkansas to cover that spread, and hopefully the Bulldogs get the win. Uh, regardless, Ole Miss at Auburn. Auburn's an 18 and a half point favorite. Give me the Rebels to cover on the road. Uh, we haven't had 
we went on the road and stood toe-to-toe with Alabama for, uh, you know, as well as you could expect us to. Now, I guess toe-to-toe wasn't right, but we put up 31 points on a, on a, on the Alabama defense. Uh, we, you know, uh, out, and, and what Auburn does, they want to run the football. They can't throw it necessarily. Like I said, that's a lot of what Ole Miss wants you to do. They want you to run the football, run it to our run defense, which is much better than last year. We don't want you throwing it. Hopefully, we force them into a lot of third and long situations. Give me the Rebels, not by much, but give me to cover them the spread. It may be a score late, does it? Uh, I don't know, man. Auburn held their held their way against LSU last week at, at Death Valley. Um, I'm gonna take Auburn to cover that one. Uh, I just don't know, man. That's that's a tough place to play. And oh, Auburn's it's a tough a good place team. to play. Don't get me wrong, but I, you know, I just have a feeling about this one. All right, well, I, I'm gonna take Auburn on that one. All right, well, with that. I think that's going to wrap it up. Uh, Jackson, do you have anything else to add? This was a jam-packed episode. We yeah, went through a lot of stuff. It really was. But, I mean, it was really fun. I thought we thought we did, had a good time doing it today. Excellent episode. Really enjoyed it. I hope you guys enjoy it. Thank you, as always, for supporting us as you have. But for Jackson Bitch, I'm Peyton Taylor. Thank you for listening. Have a blessed day. <laughs>